See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. It's time for Dan Durkin's Nerd Notes. You are a huge nerd. With Waddle and Sylvie. Bears got a great team this year. They're going to go all the way. A thorough dive into the All-22 coaches tape. If you want to get all nerdy and all geeky on it, check out Durkin's YouTube channel, The All-22 Review. Film breakdown of the Chicago Bears. Oh, yeah. Follow Dan Durkin on Twitter at DJ Durkin. Get those nerds! Nerd Notes on ESPN 1000. That's right. There's so much to react to. The Bears have a new team president and CEO. He's Kevin Warren. And he is the former commissioner of the Big Ten. He's the former chief operating officer of the Minnesota Vikings, as Waddle pointed out earlier, and it's what stood out to me in the resume that the Bears put out there today in the press release, is Ziggy Wilf hired him and his law firm when he was in Phoenix um, to purchase the Minnesota Vikings. Before mm. he was the team owner of the Vikings, he hired his law firm, and he said, I want to buy the Minnesota Vikings. Can you help me uh, with your law firm? And he led the way. And after he solidified the Minnesota Vikings and got the team, he then hired him. He liked him so much. And then he climbed the ranks and was the chief operating officer and then built that glorious stadium that they have in Minneapolis. Before that, he worked in the front office with the Detroit Lions and the St. Louis Rams. When he was with the Rams, it was the year that they won the Super Bowl. So there is a lot to like with Kevin Warren, who has seen a lot. And um, it's the first person to be the team president and CEO from outside the organization. And uh, we all know that they have had their fair share of issues. We'll see what Dan Durkin thinks now as he joins us on Waddle and Sylvie. What's up, Dan? Hello, gentlemen. How are you? We're, I feel good. Optimistic. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I feel great. What do you think? Uh, was this something that got you excited? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I kind of align with, like, the, the last part of your lead-in there, Sylvie. You talk about going outside of, like, their comfort zone. When you think about, like, almost this echo chamber of thought that they've had up there at, at Hallis Hall for so long, they've, they've broken that. that. That bubble has been popped with this type of hire. And so uh, you, you, look about, you look at his background, you know, very impressive. A, a lot of it has to do with, like, you know, he's about the football operations side of things and so more of like the legal counsel aspect of it. But that stuff's so crucial when you think about, um, you know, cap management, you know, just general risk management and all the things that you lean on there. So there's just a really interesting purview uh, when you sit in those types of roles. And then the accomplishments that he had in this time with the Vikings are, are quite impressive. And so when I think about what does this mean for the Bears, my mind goes to, um, what, what is the or is there going to be some sort of like a restructuring in terms of just like the organizational chart of how the front office actually looks? Because what's not dissimilar from my perspective on this is just like under Ryan Pace, Ryan Poles is kind of unchecked here. So is there going to be some sort of level that's put above him or is he autonomous again to be like the sole voice and decision maker when it comes to the personnel side of things? Or might there be like another layer put up there? So I'm very interested to see what that looks like in terms of is Ryan like the previous Ryan now, um, you know, unfettered when it comes to making football decisions. It it really is interesting, Dan, because like uh, Kevin Warren has got such a nice resume. 
We don't know. Kevin Warren may decide that what he wants to do is hire somebody else to help Ryan Poles on the on the player personnel side. Like I, my first thought would be that Ryan Poles is obviously going to report to Kevin Warren, the the president of the organization. But maybe Kevin says, "Listen, I got my hands full over here with stadium and other stuff. I may bring in somebody. I'm I'm interested to see if he does add another another voice to the building on the football front." Same to me that that's the most you know intriguing question or unknown at this point in time. Or is he going to say, "Hey"? Uh, Matt Ryan liked him. He has my, you know, like full trust when it comes to making these types of decisions. I'll be a sounding board. You know, I'll, I'll be, you know, a contrarian voice or whatever he needs in certain situations to maybe help him reach certain decisions. So that part to me is interesting. And then, you know, you can dig in a little bit deeper and just look at, it's like, what's the current organizational structure between like the two teams? And the, the Vikings have a very simplified uh, organizational structure. They have like their executive staff and then they have their player personnel department. And so they do have an EVP of football operations, but that's their cap person. And then when you look in the player personnel side of things, they have a VP of football operations, but that's their analytics guy. And so, like, um, I think his name is Kwesi Adolfo is the GM of, of the, it does. It looks like he is the sole decision maker when it comes to football operations. So I wonder if that's an inkling of, like, what it's going to look like for the Bears as far as how they're, they're going get, to get, get restructured or if they don't get restructured at all, because the Bears' current layer is is, you know, they have like their board of directors, but then they have like a football operations department that is heavily nested. They have like a personnel department, their college scouts, their NFL scouts, football ops, football technology, you know, it goes down a couple other layers. And then they have the business side of things. So I'm wondering if, if he's going to straddle both of those or if he's going to put like a lieutenant on top of the football ops side of things to be above Ryan. So very interested to see how this all shakes out from an organizational perspective. I just think like for the first time in my Bears life, like I obviously it all starts with football. I want them to win. That's the bottom line. But as far as the business is concerned, Dan, in this big fork in the road where they could, they're hopefully going to build this glorious stadium in Arlington Heights, the sky's the limit. They won't half-ass their way through a lot of these decisions like they have for so many decades as the Chicago Bears. That they're going to do big business stuff like a lot of the NFL teams do do um, that they haven't done in past years. I have the the same hope and I I have the same perspective in terms of, like I said, bringing in outside thinking to challenge the status quo. So you you have to think about now, like, what the, 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 the current board of directors and George and others have had to do. And I think that maybe they've had some more introspective, uh, you know, like conversations and just like really thinking about like, Look, we have a really lonely trophy sitting in the front hallway <laughs> of our building. You're know, like, is what we're doing working? You know, just like very simple questions that you can start ask, asking to kind of reach the conclusion that we need some new thinking or we need something that's going to help us evolve. Because, you know, I, I think one of the, the the more interesting stats to me always, I think it's since the Bears and the Pats have played in the in the Super Bowl, I think the Bears have won six playoff games, and I think the Bears, the, the the Pats have won like seven Super Bowls or something like that since then. <laughs> so when you just think about what has happened over that continuum, it's clear that playoffs 
and success is the exception rather than the rule. And so how do you flip that? And so I, I'm hopeful that now when you think about somebody that's going to help them come in and put on their big boy pants from, from a business perspective and say you're the charter franchise of the NFL, you should own your own stadium, you're missing out on revenue opportunities, your valuation will change very significantly as a result of this. You now, if you do this appropriately from the stadium design perspective, can have 365 days of revenue within this facility. There are all these ands that come along with these types of decisions that are going to make this a more modern operation from top down. So I think that that's the optimism with this. And so you, you bloom it out even further. So you have somebody that's going to be joining you in the spring to help you directionally with where you're taking the franchise from a business perspective. And then you go to the, the Brian Pohl side of the thing. And it's like, the world this is oyster now that they have the number one pick. So many things open up as a result of that. So I'd say that, you know, it's it's weird to celebrate the tank as much as people are, but I, I fully get it. I think that it is a time for optimism, despite the fact that we just endured one of the the, the worst seasons and probably the worst season uh, record-wise in, in Bears uh, history. It, it's so funny you use that phrase. I was going to use it for you. Uh, I was going to say, you know, I, listen, I, I think the, the Warren hire is fantastic, but the most important guy in the building right now in the here and now, in my opinion, is the general manager. And I was going to use the phrase in the world, world is his oyster. So you beat me yeah. to the punch. But with that in mind, Dan, um, what would you advise him to do? And what ultimately do you think he will do with all of these riches at his disposal? You know, I, I think as tempting as it is to just go out there and spend, 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 I think they really need to be practical about this because you can parlay this money that you have into more than just one off season. And so I think that it comes down to um, giving uh, a very tough look at the free agent class, where you think their, their strengths are and how those strengths line up with your most acute needs. And I think that the Bears have enough needs that you just go for what you consider to be the best football players that are going to help your team now. Because it's really like you can almost drop a, you know, like a, a line into the ocean and anything you come out with, you're like, oh, yeah, we can, we can, we can work with this. So, I mean, uh, save, save for the quarterback position. Uh, I mean, where else do you feel like, nope, they got that position locked down. I, I don't think you can answer that question and say, like, well, they have this, this, and this, because I don't think it's true. Um, you know, you, you think about this upcoming crop. I do like a couple of the offensive linemen if they are to make it. And when you think about successful free agent plunges in the past, playing offensive line, your, your body just needs to be a little bit different. You need to be able to deal with the wear and tear of a 17-game season. And when a guy is able to do that for multiple years, those are the guys. Think about what John Tate did for the Bears offensive line. He was a relatively unknown guy that came over from Kansas City and completely reshaped that offensive line. Reuben Brown, same kind of guy. You can they, they have the body, they have the mentality to make it through a 17-game season. So my advocacy is you go for offensive linemen that you think. I really like Ben Powers from the the, the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I like Juwan, um, what's Juwan Taylor from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like you know uh, Ethan Pochich from the, you know, the Cleveland Browns. He plays center. There are these options that you can go out there and say, who do these? Who of these fit our profile for where we want to go? And then I think you compare that against what I think is the strength of this upcoming draft class, and that's the defensive line, and say, let's hedge our money here in free agency, get a little bit better across the offensive line, and then we see what kind of deal we can swing in the draft to, you know, number one, increase our chances and our spins at the wheel with getting more picks, 
And then I think they take advantage of what I consider to be a very strong defensive line class. So those three names that you mentioned are not Orlando Brown or Mike McGlinchey. Those are the lesser known names like you, you had mentioned. You don't like the bigger names. I don't think that Orlando Brown is a great fit for this team. I, I, I just, I truly don't. I, I think that um, Ben Powers, to me, when you know, he's a guy he's related to Oklahoma. Um, you know, the, the Ravens have proven that they really have it kind of figured out when it comes from an evaluation perspective. They're so successful in those middle round picks. Um, I, I think that he's a guy that, while not a household name, he's going to get a lot of money in free agency, and people are going to be like, who's this guy? So, you know, I, I don't go that way. And uh, McGlinchey, no, a, absolutely not. So I, I, I don't quite see that one. I, I'd rather go for somebody who's still kind of ascending, coming out of their first contract, uh, and that's why I lean more towards to what's going on down there in Jacksonville. So, no, that I, I, I try to take a, a deeper look at this class and um, – uh, what's his name? Isaac Samuelo. The guy who's played multiple spots for the Philadelphia Eagles is another guy that I'm kind of earmarking for this. So they're going to have some options, but I think it goes beyond just like those initial couple names from my perspective that I think would benefit the Bears over a longer term. You also said in your answer there that they have the quarterback spot locked down. What do you say to all the people who say, hey, trade Justin, look at uh, the quarterbacks right now, maybe take Young, reset the clock. What do you say to those people? I, I say, no, I disagree. Um, I, I'd say if you're, if you're again, you're a com, it's a complete gamble. You you owe it to Justin, who has proven it to guys. It made me really happy to think about all the conversations we had about Justin this past year, and then to hear the way that Ryan Poles described it. We talked about Justin proving himself as a playmaker in the NFL, a guy who can elevate around him despite not ideal scenarios. He had helped his team score more points on his own, but he needed to improve as a passer. We would harp on that every single week. And now, now to hear the, the GM echo those sentiments means we're looking at the same product. So he realizes this was not an ideal scenario. And despite those, he's proven to be a, an effective playmaker in the NFL. They owe it to him to give him a better infrastructure around him properly evaluate him with a better offensive line, maybe another weapon here and there. Maybe you get a a faster, more dynamic running back in the backfield. Now you make your evaluation in the 2023 season with no excuses because you've taken some of those things away. And then if it does come out that he doesn't work out, I think that next year's draft class when it comes to the quarterbacks is exponentially better than the top two from this year. So I think you take 2023 to say, we owe it to you. You earned your stripes this year by taking a beating back there. Let's put some better protection in front of you. Let's see you improve as a passer. Let's see this chemistry develop better between you and Claypool and Mooney and the other pieces that we have in place. And then you make your decision. So like that, that's to me how I would approach it. I just don't, neither of these guys, Young or Stroud, really move the needle to me to say, I'm very compelled to say that they would be a better prospect right now than Justin Fields is. Hey, Dan, I think you and I have looked at the tight end position in a similar way over the course of time. I have a value for, for Cole Komet. I think he's an inline wide tight end who deserves, you know, to be part of this franchise. But I think the previous regime asked him to do things that maybe he isn't, wouldn't, wasn't fit to do. Would you be an advocate of, of not only having him on your roster and asking him to do the things he does well, but maybe adding another tight end? Like if you can't find the wide receiver, and I'll just give you a name like Gasecki, the kid from Miami who doesn't fit in really in their offense. Could you, would you be an advocate of bringing in another tight end and splitting him out, almost like a wide receiver in a tight end's body, 
that plays that position differently than what they have on the roster now? A hundred percent. Like, let's look and see a, a team that's going to be playing that went from where the Bears are at in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number one pick last year, hosting a playoff game this weekend, okay? Evan Ingram is a guy that they identified in free agency. The Giants couldn't wait to get rid of Evan Ingram, and he is very similar to what you're talking about in Gusecki. Super athletic, is a, kind of like a tweener. He's almost a yeah. wide receiver that gets a tight end distinction, but he's fast enough that you can trust him as – you know, in a Y-ISO situation, or you can put him as the point man in a bunch and, and say, hey, he's going to beat this guy. If it comes to, like, an option route, there's a good chance he's going to shake a safety. He's definitely going to shake a linebacker. So I may I even go as far as to say, Dan, is, is that, like, I see him create more separation with his body size than I've seen so far from Claypool. And, and, and I get it. The Claypool thing, I'm going to give it another year and see how it all goes. But I think you can use a guy in this, this, this type of environment, especially when the wide receiver market is so thin. I, I agree. And so now look at what people are like laughing at. I think the, the, the Jags gave Evan Ingram like $30 million or like that. He had like 71 catches yeah. this year. I would take a tight end with 71 catches in this offense. So that's, that's the type of stuff you need to think about. It's like what is out there in the marketplace? And, and Poles put it really elegantly when he was asking about like somebody was pressing him on like, do you need a number one? Do you need a number one? And he's like, I think it, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Would you like to have a number one? Of course. But if you can get a collection of – playmakers that you can mix and match in different personnel groupings, it can be as effective as that. So I would definitely, people are like, you know, Cole Komet did make a, a better believer out of me than I was at the beginning portion of the season. I was struggling to understand what his role was. He made a huge, huge step forward this year, just in terms of durability, trustworthiness on third down, fighting for extra yardage. He's never going to be that, I'm going to shake a guy in an option route guy, but he's going to be a trustworthy target. They used him in the screen game, they used him in smoke routes, and he was able to be very effective in those. So I think another complimentary tight end would 100% make sense to me in this offense. Dan Durkin joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. Is there a team that you have circled that you think think is most likely to come up and uh, get the number one pick i think you know what's going to be interesting is what happens with Derek carr yeah that to me is kind of like really is a team going to want to invest draft capital maybe like the colts i think the colts are really interested chris ballard's been able to hang on there in indy for a while but he's never really put his neck out on the line to get a, a proper quarterback he's tried to go the aged free you know like free agent route or like guys that have been there is he going to do that again with Derek carr or is he going to say hey i can buy myself a little bit more time in this role if i invest in um you know like a, a young quarterback to kind of get this thing going so I, I think that that's a team that i would really keep my eyes on just the, just the way with which he spoke about the the the, the position in his year-end post-mortem was you could tell that there's some urgency behind this and i would never put anything past jim ursay um to to make some silly move like that and to, to move up like that you also have to think about who is going to be their head coach and i, I think that if an offensive-minded guy comes in the likelihood of them wanting to get a quarterback to pair with somebody if they go for like um, a Shane strike, and if they go for uh, a Ben Johnson from the Lions, now all of a sudden I think that that becomes even more real in terms of who they go after. So the Colts are the team that I would keep my eyes on in terms of wanting to trade up the most. How do you feel uh, now a week removed from the final game of the season about the coaching staff here? I think I've asked you about this recently, but now that you've had a chance to kind of digest the season a little bit, what did you think of the job Matt, uh, Matt Eberflus did this season? You know, I think good and bad. You know, there, there, were, there were, I think I talked to you a little about one, Obviously, 
talent bereft. You know, that's that's a firm grasp of the obvious statement. So it's very hard to to kind of evaluate in totality what he can be. The the concern areas, though, I think I talked to you a little bit about this. The run fits on defense were bad a lot this year. And so, like, that to me is a coaching thing. Like, people were just in the wrong gap, or you had two people in one gap and not a person in another. They, they gave up the edge a little bit. So there was something – I'm not sure if that's a matter of the use that they had when it comes to, like, hey, you're you're the forced defender on this play, or you're the contained defender on this play. It just seemed like that happened far too often with this team. So I know there was a talent issue, but there's also an alignment and an assignment issue. That's a coaching issue. So I think there were clear coaching issues this year with how they fit the run. And that, that's one thing that I'd say that they really need to shore up. Yes, a better defensive line will help, but that has nothing to do with where somebody should be on the field. Those are two distinct things. Offensively, I liked how they started games, but they couldn't sustain it over the course of the game You know, more often than not. So I think that Luke Getze came into the season with I'm sorry, he came into each week with the proper plan to attack a team, but as it kind of went on, it just wore off from there. I would like to see the defense play as well in the first quarter as they do in the third quarter. So that, to me, speaks to the fact that they can make in-game adjustments, make those adjustments before the game starts, or scout your opponents a little bit differently so you don't have to wait until in-game to make the, the, the proper things. You go back to that Giants game, is the one that annoys me more than any other one, where they allowed them to run the same play over and over and over again until they finally realized, hey, we have something broken right now with how we're fitting this, and it happened to be Jaquan Brisker and what they were doing with him. So it's that type of stuff that said good and bad. I think things that you can kind of you know, you know work with from here more than anything. The the, the area that I will give uh, you know Eberfus a very strong uh, sign of endorsement is he's a culture changer and he's a leader. And I think that that's what you need when you have a very young team like this. The standards, the standard, and he made that very clear from the first day that he was here. Dan, great stuff all year. We really appreciate it. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Guys, take care. Good talking with you. There you go. Dan Durkin was uh, with us all season long and was outstanding every Thursday enjoyed, at 4 yeah. o'clock. Yeah. I enjoyed getting inside the film room, inside his mind as he was in the uh, film He's room. He's a great uh, football mind. And, uh, great first, football coach, too, for young uh, lads in the uh, the northern suburbs, right? First, uh, first flag football game is Friday afternoon. Ooh. What positions Braxton playing? Well, they they play both ways. So uh, wide receiver, yeah, and uh, probably like safety or something okay. like that. I think it's like five on five or six on six. He's not trying to tackle people, is he? No, it's flag. I got yeah, it. Yeah, I know. He doesn't know. stop people. I know. Yeah. What's that? I know. Doesn't stop people. Right now, you're not even allowed in flag six year old, seven year old flag football. You're not even allowed to go to the ground. Okay. Does he? Do they give him? You got a mouthpiece, right? Still have a mouthpiece? No. No. I maybe get him one. Maybe he should. Yes. yes. He's. They got to wear like these. They should. They're not helmets, right, but I they're know. like these uh, mat, like kind of. Yes. You know what get I'm talking him a about? Mouthpiece too. Okay. Yeah. You don't they, want him to have any crooked teeth. Okay. We'll do like, that. He plays like. Oh, unafraid. Yeah. I know. No, so he he's going to put yeah. his. He's going to put his nose in there. Okay. Well, we'll get him out. Yeah. That's that's good. That's a good tip. Uh, you know. Every now and again, I got a quality thought. I will lean on you. That's for I sure. I didn't wear a mouthpiece. You didn't? No, the only time I put a mouthpiece in was on punt returns. Why? I couldn't why, breathe. Why? Couldn't breathe in it. I felt like I was faster with no pads in my pants and old shoes tied to my feet and no mouthpiece in my mouth. That's the brain of somebody that's probably not thinking. Haven't clearly. there been scientific studies that you're stronger when you have a mouthpiece in? Do you think we had access to any scientific studies in the early 90s? Obviously not. By the way, we, we played the game and the game was officiated. There was no scientific studies at our disposal. You guys were taking a school bus to the leaky dome. Yeah. 
Right. Here's hoping that I, at some point I want to sit down with Kevin Warren and actually give yeah. him the, the, what, what the you play by play based on where the organization was then to where he's going to take it. Kevin Warren is the Bears' new president. 312-332-3776. I've got the audio that I promised earlier on why I believe the Bears will not double back to the city of Chicago. Even with the flashy videos, even with Bob the Builder, who we talked to yesterday. want to play that for you coming up next. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. I want to take some calls, and then I want to play you a report from NBC from a few weeks ago that we have not played. NBC ran a report, um, and then we had like breaking news that day, and we never doubled back to it. NBC local or NBC national? NBC local on okay. the um, on the Bears issue with the city. They did an investigative report. Phil Rogers, you know Phil Rogers. Love Phil. Phil's been a longtime newsman. Yeah, N- investigative journalist. We'll play some of that coming up. Don't forget, we've got Connie's frozen pizza. We're giving away one hour from now uh, five frozen pizzas. It is National Pizza Week. Um, and if you win the five frozen pizzas in an hour, you'll also be in the hopper to win a Connie's frozen pizza oven, 20 more frozen pizzas, and a Connie's frozen pizza cutter, pizza cutter. Still pizza week. Yes, it is still all the way through Friday. Yeah. And That's how it works. Also, a week from tomorrow on January 20th, we're going to be taking the show on the road. First time in uh, calendar 2023? 20, our first event of 2023. We're going to be at Twin Peaks in Oak Brook Terrace. Put it on your calendar and your phone. Put it on there right there. It's one of our favorite spots, Oak Brook Terrace on 22nd Street. We'll be there with the Nissan Titan Street team as well. So it's a, a great spot. We'll be celebrating the NFL playoffs. What what about next week? Do I what what about next week? Do you? Oh, it's always... your favorite. It's your favorite. The divisional weekend is your favorite weekend of the season. My favorite weekend. Yeah. When I hear the the what's our street team's name again? The Nissan Titans Street Team. When I hear that, I always feel like when we pull in, there's going to be like cheerleaders and like celebration going on. Our street team is out there, you know. They're fabulous. I'm we just can make saying, it happen. Like, is that what you want? We no, can make that happen. No, I just like when I hear that the street team's out there. You know, we come in and there's music playing, there's a band playing, and there's cheerleaders. I don't know why. Kind of like we used to come out of the tunnel at Boston College. Yes, usually. Well, I don't <laughs> want someone running instead, a flag instead, down I walk the field. In, it's, it's Travis, who's wonderful, screaming at me to tweet something. All right, so we need Love a. Travis. We now need a welcoming committee for Waddle. Not, as, not as, for me. Yes, we need for now, the show. We need a welcoming committee for Waddle. Not true. I don't want at, the welcoming committee at the committee. Twin Peaks in Oak Brook Terrace. I'm just telling you what I interpret things as sometimes. A week from Friday. Make sure you're out. It's there. sunny out there with some pom poms out there doing some cheers. No, we don't. Got to make the tunnel right. Put your hands up. Make a big tunnel for you guys. Well, Listen, we, we were we were lucky if we had half of the student section filled. There was no tunnel for us with people enthusiastic about us coming out the play. But you were still a good Boston College team when you were there, weren't you? Uh, one winning season in four years. We were on the tail end of the. Uh, listen, this is how I. This is my. This is how I get. This is what I do. 
I'm on the tail end of greatness. I was on the tail end of the Doug Flutie situation. We did have one year, my sophomore year, we beat Georgia uh, in the Hall of Fame Bowl. Um, and then I got here in 89 right after the, you know, the, that dynasty or, you know, fabulous you, group. You was, still won some playoff games here. Yeah, we did. Yeah, How I mean, many listen, playoff games you win? Two or three? In 1990, did we win a playoff game? I wasn't playing. I remember being in Giants Stadium watching the Giants you kicked beat us yeah, You got your ass kicked. Yeah. 91, we lost to the Cowboys. 94, we beat the Vikings and then got beat up by the 49ers. I don't know. Was it only one? Maybe one? Like I said, I catch dynasties on their tail end. <laughs> Maybe I had to take it. it's better than not catching them at all. Well, listen, I can still say, look. And you still had a playoff game for the ages. I still was here with, with think about this crew. On defense, it was Mongo, it was Hampton, it was Dent, it was Singletary, it was uh, Sean Gale, Dave Durson, Double D was still here. Offensively, had Jay Hilgenberg, we had Thayer, we had Bortz, we had Jimbo. Who was our other tackle? Keith Van Horn mm-hmm. was there as well. He was still. Uh, I mean, we obviously, we had Neil Anderson, we had um, a lot of Dennis great players, McKinnon. Though. I missed Emery Moorhead. He was gone. That's hence the reason when I got his number when he left. But, um, but like, think of all those guys. Those are great players. I Jake, get to play with some Hall of Famers. Yes, you did. Jake, how old are you? I'm 23 14. right now. 23? I look 14. So Jake is 23. You're a Cowboys fan, right? You're from Dallas? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, so Waddle's best game is from a playoff game against your Cowboys. Seven years before he was born. Right. How, what do you believe Waddle's numbers were against your Cowboys in a playoff game? You put up a 200 spot on us? No, hell no. <laughs> 200 was a season, bro. What do you mean? No, 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 no. This By was the a, way, and this it was, was in 1991. It was in a loss. Troy couldn't play. Who was hurt. So Steve Berline, I believe, was the quarterback for the Cowboys. Michael Irvin was there. Um, Jay Novacek was there. Alvin Harper, I think, was still there. Calvin Martin, one of my high, uh, college teammates, was still there. Uh, you had Moose Johnston in the backfield along with Emmett Smith. Like, you guys had a juggernaut. You just didn't have Troy. Troy was hurt. So Guess what do you again. Think? What do you think? Uh, let's say uh, 120 and a touchdown. Now you're well, close. You're close. I don't even remember. Lower or higher? I, I'm, I'm looking for the... Yeah, t- uh, I got it in front of me. me. Don't I've, remember it, but I, I had it. I've got the number in front of me. How many catches do you think Waddle had in that game? Uh, let's go seven. More. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not alive, Waddle? What do you expect? <laughs> I'm, I expected uh, more. L- what, like 11? 11 catches? A little, little less. You split, split the middle split there. Split the middle? All right, so he had... With nine, the yeah, there nine catches. There you go, for a hundred and thirty yards. Not quite. I don't think you Was went it? nine for one hundred and four and a touchdown. It's all I could give you, Jake. It's all I had. It's all I had. We lost seventeen thirteen. I was open too. Don't tell Harbaugh this. I was open you, in you, the end zone. You had hit like half the rec- half the receiving yards. I mean, Harbaugh only threw for two eighteen. You had 104 of them. That was the first time he ghosted you, too. He didn't. He wasn't ghosting me that day. He but you said you were open. You said you were open. Well, that's true. I think he overthrew me in the end zone one time. Did you I hear can't... about this, Sylvie? What? 
Harbaugh ghosting on Waddle? I told you that, didn't I? Like I said, he may have been on vacation. I sent him a text uh, early December, congratulating him on yeah, the great. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he, I didn't now, know he, got well, he, he was uh, busy preparing for TCU. He always responds when I wish him happy birthday and stuff. I immediately get a response. Maybe he had a bad feeling about his team. Uh, no, he never has a bad feeling about his team. I think Jim's going to be in the NFL at some point here sooner rather yeah, than later. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think he's... Maybe Denver. He's interviewing be. for Denver, isn't he? I think he already did. He did it via yeah. Zoom, I think. Okay. I think he did it. Um, uh, let me take a call here, and then and then I'll play you the, the, some of the sound. Jake in Florida has been very patient. Hey, Jake, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, guys. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. How sure. are you guys doing? We appreciate it. I, thanks. Yeah, I listen to you guys every day and uh, enjoy the show. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I... Uh, what I was going back to Kevin Warren and his hiring. Um, where do you think think things change as far as the direction of of the Bears and and go? We seem to be going in the right direction now. What do you think was the switch flipped as far as the good decision making? You think it's a really good question, Jake. Um, when did that? I I I when the when the land became available, probably. Like, when, they, when they were approached, because remember, the Bears weren't being proactive. When they, Churchill Downs approached, approached the them. Bears. Yeah. Because how many people are in the market to buy that big of a land? You know? And, and you would have thought, though, that the Bears, you know, I mean, if Kevin Warren is sitting in that chair, you know, in years or a couple of years ago, he's probably more proactive sure. about it. Yes, absolutely. Like, and like, listen to this. This is how the Bears got here. And, 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 like, I think there have been other reports about this, too. But Phil Rogers from NBC5 about three weeks ago did this report. And we cut this up a few weeks ago. We never got to it. And now, more than ever, it's, like, with the reimagining Soldier Field video that came out. We talked yesterday to our guy. And, um, you know, they're trying to save face and Lori Lightfoot is trying to win an election and and they're trying to act like now they want the bears and now they're trying to do everything for the bears the reason why also the bears aren't going to why I believe why the bears aren't going to come back to for many reasons but this is this is a few of the reasons why the bears are in our at Arlington Heights and this is why I always yell at Wilbon like it's not that they want to move to the suburbs. It's almost like they were pushed out. They they were in a bad relationship for so many years. This is Phil Rogers. He did this report and he got uh, again the free uh, Freedom of Information Act and he got the emails between the city and the team and this is uh, some of the, the information that he got between the two sides. This letter from April of 2020 where the Bears outlined what they hoped would be opportunities for sports betting at Soldier Field. It would be a full seven months before then-Park District Chief Michael Kelly finally responded that it would not be productive to pursue the Bears' gambling plan. In June of 2021, Team President Ted Phillips wrote of his disappointment that the city had failed to engage in good-faith discussions about an opportunity that he noted generates revenue for the Park District while leveraging the Chicago Bears' brand. There is no evidence the city ever responded to that message, and just two weeks later, the Bears announced their bid for Arlington Park. I think that may have been the last thing where they said, you know what, we can't go, we can't, 
We can't work with these people. Sports and Stadium consultant Mark Gannis said it appeared to him the gambling debacle was the deal breaker between the Bears and the city. It's a new revenue stream for both. That should have been a no-brainer. But because the relationship was so toxic for other reasons, it never happened. Seven months. You heard that report. Seven months the Bears emailed the Park District, their partner, the city. They represent the city, the Park District. And they the Bears email them. They did not get a response, the Bears, for seven months about gambling. And then they respond by saying, we don't believe that negotiating at this time is going to be productive. Well, this is why I don't trust that the city could execute this plan. Like, like I have no trust in them for these reasons. Exactly. Listen to this one. Here's more from Phil Rogers, NBC5. That toxic relationship was on full display in another series of emails starting in April of last year. Park District Chief Kelly wrote to Phillips about a meeting in which the team president said he hadn't received engineering reports on Soldier Field. Kelly insisted he had sent the reports, declaring it is exactly this propensity for historical misstatements that has forced recent communications between us to be reduced to writing. Phillips responds that he asked for more than what Kelly offered and adds, Unfortunately, you have rejected every attempt at a meeting or even a phone call to clear the air. When things start going downhill, the smallest distinction becomes a monumental one. They couldn't even agree on a phone call or a meeting. Yeah. Like, they're going to agree on a multi-billion dollar stadium on the lakefront now. They couldn't agree on phone calls or in-person meetings. Yeah, again, I, I mean, I, don't, I think the, the trust has been broken. There's no level of trust between the two. One more here. Indeed, the emails are loaded with perceived slights. In July of last year, after the Arlington bid had been revealed... Phillips proposes a meeting to discuss ideas to make Soldier Field among the top 25% of all NFL stadiums. A month later, he emails again. Please respond. In October, he asks for a meeting and sends discussion topics that include a laundry list of issues at Soldier Field, like faded, broken seats and aging equipment. He again brings up a sports book and even naming rights. But this summer, he told Chicago's deputy mayor that Arlington Park was the only project the Bears were interested in pursuing. Even knowing that, just two weeks later, the mayor unveiled her plans to update even Dome Soldier Field. It makes life so much easier when the city and the team and the team owner get along, and it makes things infinitely more difficult when they do not, and especially when they do not in a public manner. Can't even get seats fixed. Yeah, yeah. it ain't going to work. So, like, when you see these flashy videos and when you see the city now try to uh, make good and say we can make this work, Bears, remember this report from Phil Rogers on NBC5 and these emails from 2020 about getting seats fixed, gambling revenue out there that the city had no interest and they were ghosting the Bears on simple emails. Remember that. And think that they couldn't even get an email response from the city. So, um, interesting drama in this very old National Bank studio uh, earlier this morning. We, We will play you some of the highlights from that coming up next. And Paul Allen, someone who knows the Bears' new president pretty well. Uh, from their days together at the Minnesota Vikings. We will talk to PA, the voice of the Vikings, at 5. 
follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Yeah, You're I, going to run what we tell you to run, even uh, though brutal. that's not what you do. And he's an idiot. And then he went to Alabama, and everyone's like, wow, yeah. that defense flying around. Because he's got really good, really good freaking. Sorry about that. Cap dropping an F-bomb uh, right before 8 o'clock today. We did dump it. But if you were Slucky's listening online. On radio, not on TV anymore. Had he had done that over at the television station, you can't dump that. Playing a little loose. And then, uh, I, like, I thought that was Do really... we get fined for that as a station? Not if we dump it, no. If it, if it doesn't go across um, FCC, you know, the terrestrial radio, yeah. online, we don't get fined for the online stuff. Um, so we, we were able to get that. Oh, I know we're not getting fined for the other stuff. Otherwise, we'd be out of business right now after doing Unhinged. <laughs> yeah, we're not getting fined by that. For we're, we're dropping a new Unhinged on the ESPN yeah. Chicago app tomorrow. So there will be a new one. Did you hear, too, by the way, before I play the other cap stuff, did you hear the um, the Georgia coach's uh, speech? I did. Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart, yeah. What'd you think colorful. What'd you oh, think? Well, well, I'm a grown-ass man. I'm fine with it. Did you, did you see the way it was framed by some people? Would you let your child play for a coach like this? That's the way my, it was my, tweeted my, out. My child is 20 years old on that team. And he's going pro. <laughs> Well, that's different. I'm going to get a nice new home and a car out of this. Listen, I wish I had a son that was playing in the NFL right now. With the salaries they are, I'd be asking for some stuff. No, the point is, is that, like, would you let your kid? These kids are all 18 and older. I mean, so let's shelve the whole kid thing. Look, some people are more comfortable with colorful language than others. What were you going to say? Was that Jake or Tyler? That was me. I was going to say that that kid, that 25-year-old quarterback was. Right. I'm yeah. sure. That's in bed. It's 25. Yeah. Older than both of these guys. Older than Jake and Tyler. Yeah, right. And older than some of the NFL quarterbacks. Yes. Uh, and, then, and then so I thought a cap a dropping the F-bomb on the air having to be dumped was the, the biggest thing. Then I, I was driving into the parking garage and I heard Carmen say that some of the headphones were damaged. And I found out that Cap threw his headphones in disgust. I had not seen the video of that until you sent it to me. Yes, and then there's video from Twitch captured it because we got cameras. You never know what you're going to see here inside the old National Bank studio. Um, and there, the headphones, it's okay that he throws the headphones because he doesn't use them for listening all the time. Wow. That was Hoodie's message to him <laughs> over the joke. <laughs> This is this is what happened uh, this morning between Cap and Hoodie. They did not address it after the incident, after Cap walks out of the studio. I hope they address it tomorrow and laugh about it because this is all fun games. I mean, we're uh, in the toy department after all, but this is what happened this morning with Cap and Jay Hood, the real housewives of Cap and Jay Hood. I'm going to make sure that Ryan Poles and his staff have everything they need to be successful. We're going to build you a beautiful stadium. We are going to leave no stone unturned into making this the model franchise in the National Football League. There's his press conference. Let's go to Mayor Lightfoot on line three. Mayor? <laughs> Mayor? 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 Yeah. I'll spit out my coffee hoodie. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, yes, I would like to have the kids at the schools. No, start- don't. That's not the joke, Cap. That's not the joke. Where she spent no, her that's time. Fine, that's fine. That's not the joke. 
where she spent her time. You just if listen, WLS is down the road. Go and work there. That's not the the joke is when you missed it as usual. The oh, joke stop. is you missed it. The no, joke I is didn't. The, I didn't. The joke is well, tell, tell, explain it then. Exactly. That l- sound at the end was him throwing his headphones. Headset. Yeah, headphones, and then he walked out. Yeah, and uh, hoodie and Shay finished the segment with how much time was left, Jake? Two, three minutes. Probably left. two yeah. minutes left on the clock at Tyler, that point. Yeah. How, what did they segue into? What was their conversation after that? Well, it turned into the the it was uh, Shay and Jay Hood for the, the final two minutes of that segment, <laughs> and then Cap came back to he finish did. the show. But like nothing new, happened. New headset. <laughs> new headset. It was a and there's video out there of um, someone send it to me, so I'll retweet it then, so everyone could see. It's like a chess pass. He didn't like. He didn't take his headset off and whip it. Okay. He gave it like a ch- a, ch- a chess pass, almost like a coach Ditka taking off the headset back in the day when we used to do the Ditka show. Reach say we, we would we would, would, you, would we would be sitting here and you would say okay when we come back. Coach will talk about the opponents. Yeah, yo, don't break those. You, and, you break your glasses. And he would, he would t- take his headset off and throw it down he on the table. Wait, could not yeah. wait. Could not wait. And he wasn't getting up and walking out. It was just segment was over, so could. it's time to take the headset off and toss it on. God the bless, table. Coach. Coach would sign autographs for an hour and ten minutes, yeah. and then at six o'clock he'd be done signing autographs, yeah. and he would be waddling off. No pun, no pun intended, intended, but with that hip of his. Yeah. And then if you would follow him off the restaurant as he was walking out, trying to get the autograph, he'd God damn it, I just signed autographs for now in 10 minutes. Which he did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. I'm having a cigar and I'm driving back downtown. (laughs) But I will uh, will send that out there from Twitch. Yeah, uh, are yeah, they so all, is everything, uh, everybody on good, good I give, terms? I give Hoodie, uh, Hoodie must have been good at the no flinch game. There was zero flinch from Hoodie. No? No, no Took flinch. Took it in stride and ran with it. No no flinch when the, the headset was tossed in anger. No flinch. No flinch. No flinch. No flinch. No flinch. Didn't get the joke. <laughs> get the, the joke is... And it's not very funny. Yeah, we have a drop like that. Of course, yes. All right, we'll talk to Paul Allen. Paul Allen is the outstanding voice of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, he he is one of and the, maybe LeBron James's favorite play by play guy in the N- NFL. Yes, he was. Uh, LeBron tweeted him about that during the season. We will talk to PA about Kevin Warren. Why does he know so much about Kevin Warren? Kevin Warren used to be the COO of the Vikings, and he is now the new president of the Bears. So Paul Allen will tell us what he knows about the new Bears president. That's next.